Uh, okay, let's uh, let's just do this. You don't want to talk about Paddington anymore. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't want to recreate a fake conversation, but but the the it conversation, the conversation is is funny that like it's like yeah, is is Paddington a real stuffed animal or is he an actual bear? It's like I like what kind of question is that? No, no, I I want this in the show now because you know what? That's going to generate comments for you guys if you're listening right now and he actually puts this into the show. I want you to comment on their Instagram: Is Paddington a real bear or a stuffed bear? That right. boom. <laughs> <laughs> you just got like 20 million more followers because Adam, that's going to be a fire debate. Adam, what uh, what, what do you think? Real bear or <laughs> stuffed bear? Yeah, so I've seen the movies. He's absolutely a real bear. There's he's no a, question. He's okay. a real bear wearing a trench coat who likes marmalade, and that's all I know. So yeah. he's so what you're saying is that he's actually three bears within that trench coat. You know, yes, he's, <laughs> he's, he's three cubs making up one also small bear. Right. Uh, I mean, if you guys want to get into the lore here, there are three bears that do talk at the beginning of this movie. At and the beginning of Space Mutiny? Welcome, everybody, to episode number 17 of Ghost Party Radio, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of genre film hosted by two small-time cowards. I'm Trevor, and allow me to introduce my co-host, the clown prince of podcasting. It's Adam Cervantes Wagner. You want to know how I got this podcast? Jeez. Let's peel the curtain back. We already did that once, and Adam admitted to not knowing who the Clown Prince of Crime was, and then we had to do a quote-unquote better bit, and that's what he went with. I'll just go ahead and edit all of, you saying all of that out. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's what happens when you mess with the producer of the show. Right. Uh, check it out. So, any listener reviews this week, Adam? I know we do have one. Yes, we do, Trevor. This one comes from listener Green-Eyed Haley. I wonder who that could be. Title, doesn't include gummy bears. Subject, I would like a full refund. I ordered 130 ounces of Haribo gummy bears, and all I got was this stupid podcast, which doesn't even taste good. Five stars. The Haley, you said it was a stupid podcast? Uh, yes, that doesn't taste good. Um... I, I we, we we put this call out to our listeners to roast us and give us five stars and Haley, thank you for the five stars, but that was like kind of too mean. Uh, are you are you okay? I honestly don't really feel like recording anymore. To be honest with you. All right, why don't we uh, we can take a break for a little bit? Can we? You just want to pick it up tomorrow? Yeah, that that sounds good. Okay, um, this has been Ghost Party Radio. Uh, we have officially been destroyed. Bye. Bye. Mm, that's a 10. And we're back. It's the next day. We're feeling better. Uh, we just recovered from that savage, savage roast from the listener, Green-Eyed Haley. Uh, thank you, Haley. I, I, I have a new perspective on the show. I didn't realize that it was bad until I read that review. So, uh, Adam, thank you for reading that for me. But let's get down to business. Let's talk about a, 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 a something that's not bad, Space Mutiny. Definitely, definitely. That'll, that'll change it up. Uh, I want to introduce our guest, someone who, when I, you know, I've been kind of 
saying to them for years that I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to start a podcast and then I never would, but I finally started this bad podcast and uh, he was very, very high on my list of people I wanted to have on. Please, all the way from Baltimore, Maryland, all the way from old, old across the pond over there. Right, right. We got a right one, ain't we? Oh, oi, oi, all the way from Baltimore, Maryland, then, man. It'll bring him on, isn't it? It is VH. It is VHS collector and drive-in movie enthusiast, Sir Jonathan Young. Jonathan, thank you for sitting through all of this bullshit. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I'm I'm honored to be here. I'm uh, you've knighted me, so that's that's a plus right there. And yeah. Adam, Adam, I'm I'm gonna say that. I can't wait to see your work in Snyder's cut of Justice League. <laughs> I'm damaged. That's true. We live in a society. Uh, yeah, so I was a little afraid just now because I thought uh, doing a British accent to represent Baltimore, Maryland would be funny. And I realized that uh, something it was just awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize like, oh, now I have to do a British accent and I've never tried doing it. I'm, I'm not famous. I'm infamous and no one cares that I can't do any accents i can't do any impersonations i literally cannot do a single impersonation adam over here has a really good borat and arnold schwarzenegger though how dare you you know i'm on the opposite boat where i knew that i had the british voice but i couldn't come up with like a sentence to say into the mic (laughs) yeah well yeah like immediately i like started thinking of like australian terms and stuff that we could say um what's up both are both are completely wrong (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no i mean guys i'm in the same country yeah, but you know we're we're just we're such a we're such SoCal surfer dudes, man. We don't we never leave SoCal. So. Yeah, we don't know about the windy city. You know, I thought I was gonna say I never leave SoCal too, but you know what? COVID had other plans. <laughs> um, so Jonathan, I introduced you as a VHS collector and drive-in movie enthusiast. Uh, also, I kind of look at you as the 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 king, or you've been knighted officially by me, I guess. But of uh, bad movies, talking about bad movies. You have a, you have a past doing so, uh, and certainly you've brought on a bad one today. Oh, I have a passion. Not just a past, but a passion, sir. Like, it, when it comes to bad movies, B-movies, th- that's in itself a genre for me. And uh, it, it just continually blows my mind how many things that if you just look back at IMDb or, or literally in my case, look at the entire collection of VHS that I have, it, it's overwhelming how many things fit into that scale. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a pro, Adam, already. I mean, he, he, uh, I, we usually ask our guests what their favorite genre of cinema is and what makes that genre good. But uh, you've answered the question. I guess bad cinema uh, should go on our wheel. When we spin the wheel, Adam, we should have one that lands on just bad movies. Like, we should talk about bad movies. Um, oh, boy. Six episodes for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, we might even do that a little longer series on that one, eight, eight episodes like we did with Revenge. But Or um, just two episodes. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, what would what would your two ideal two episodes be, Adam? Uh, intro and outro. <laughs> yeah. We never even actually talk about movies. Uh, okay, so uh, we are here to talk about space opera today, Jonathan. Um, do you, what's your history with space operas on film? Uh, obviously, we can talk a little Star Wars like we do on every episode, but uh, do you have any favorites other than Star Wars? I mean, obviously, Star Wars will always be at that number one, especially Empire Strikes Back for me, but... I, I'd i say I'm really surprised in this series that nobody, unless you guys behind the scenes put some strict rules, nobody picks Starship Troopers. Hmm. Yeah, no, we don't put strict rules on anything on this podcast. Okay, so, uh... so, so what, what, what 
confuses me at, at, is that I didn't I didn't hear it. I was like, come on, I know it's coming up or something, you know. As I've been following you guys and and watching each episode in this genre come onto your feed, I'm like, oh, where's that Starship Troopers? And I'm starting to think it might not happen. And and obviously that 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 film bends a lot of other possible genres in there. But to me, that is a quintessential like 90s B movie in itself, like purposely a B movie. So it's it's a it's it's a close one to me uh, if you want to talk about space opera genres. And I mean, I, I've heard you guys mention the J.J. Abrams Star Treks, and I, 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 I would agree with those. Not Into the Darkness. Sorry, Adam. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the other two, especially Beyond, I really enjoyed Beyond. Uh, so there's a couple up there in, in that realm, but I, I will be the first one to say that space opera is a difficult genre to pull off as a, as a film. You, I feel like it's either going to be great like Star Wars or like we're going to talk about today, Space Mutiny. Um, yeah, you, you definitely hit the nail on the head. We learned very quickly that most movies in this genre tend to be, at least the movies we've watched, not very good. And uh, I want to let you know that you are the last episode of this series. That's number six out of the six films we've done. So there will no, there are not going to be any Starship Troopers, unfortunately. I love Starship Troopers, but you're right. It does blend into so many other genres. Like, it, it, Honestly, if we did war movies, you could throw it on there as a war movie, something even as obscure as that. So uh, we'll definitely talk about our all fanboy out about Starship Troopers eventually. Uh, Adam, do you have any questions for our guests before we get started? Um, what, what would you say is the top of the line standard B movie if you were to show someone this is what a B movie is? Oh, hands down, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. If you have not seen this film, look it up. It's actually on YouTube, so you can watch it right now. It, it is uh, guns, girls, uh, and just snakes. Uh, that's all I can say. Like, there's snakes in, in toilets, and there's blow-up dolls in which get launched into the air and then fired at with bazooka, uh, bazookas. And uh, it, that, to me, is is every single thing that culminates uh, low budget plus the 80s plus, I don't know, that, that male-centric action kind of genre from back in the day of just like we're going to give you every single thing you want and a couple things that you didn't want and you're going to have a great time but at the end you're going to be a little i don't know probably you're going to feel a little guilty about watching it it's a good thing it was on late night television uh jonathan i wish you had brought on a b movie today uh but i think we've gone a little further down the alphabet unfortunately uh we are talking about space mutiny from 1988 um I thought I read that it came out in 1990, so I'm getting new information as we continue to go on. And Jonathan, I know you were going to get to your history with this movie. You have a lot of information on it. But directed by David Winters, uh, the tagline is, There is nowhere to hide from the enemy within. That's not a bad tagline for this movie. I guess. Kind of, but that that infers that there's some sort of internal conflict happening with the characters. And this film does not get that deep. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, uh, Letterbox describes it as a pilot is the only hope to stop the mutiny of a spacecraft by its security crew who plot to sell the crew. To the <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't pick this up. Who plot to sell the crew of the ship into slavery. I guess, yeah, that was the main point of it. But I, <laughs> I was surprised that they put that in the plot just now. Um, it has a whopping. OK, so Adam has been complaining about how the movies have been, quote unquote, bad in this series. You know, your attack of the clones, <laughs> your Jupiter ascending and stuff. But boy, we really saved a, we saved one from the. 
I was going to call it a whopper. Uh, a whopper for the last movie here. This has a 1.7 on Letterboxd out of 5, which is uh, far and away the lowest rating I've ever seen on this website. So uh, congratulations on that, Jonathan. Uh, let's read a, few, a couple <laughs> of reviews here before we get started. Uh, from listener Matt Singer, he says, One star. He says, Butch deadlift, split chest hair, thick McRun fast, slab squat thrust. He's making fun of all the names of the people in this movie. Yeah. Uh, that I, is an, that's his entire review. I think he, uh, we know which version he watched. Right. Yeah, that's that's every single thing that Mystery Science Theater did on their first run at this. And I, I that's some of the best jokes that, that they throw out in that series. Uh, like like you were mentioning, there's multiple versions that you can watch right now on Amazon. It's part of the reason why I was like, oh, guys, don't miss, don't sleep on this. Like, watch it. <laughs> it, it who cares if it's a 1.7? Don't sleep on this. I've given you every opportunity. I had to dig so deep to find a review for this movie that isn't of that version of the movie. Like, there's here's one I found from a listener, Mick, uh, from June of 2018, gives it one star and says... They're bad at shooting, but really good at falling over railings. Nice. That's a Rolling Stones song. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. And, and, and Mick, he left the review. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that that's a good point. They're, they're bad at shooting, but really good at falling over railings. Yeah. It reminded me of like, um, like the you know, in, uh, in Austin Powers. This is a, why don't we talk about Austin Powers on this show so much? But uh, when Austin Powers goes into yeah, Dr. Evil's lair at the end of the first one, they're all dressed the exact same as the people do in this movie. And uh, there's just a lot of shooting, but, like, no bullets are hitting anybody. They're just people falling over railings. That That's half of this film is just people <laughs> falling over a railing. Hey, like, man, it's a good stunt. I mean, it works. <laughs> it, it, it really does. But, I mean, you have to understand, for those who are like, I refuse to see this movie, you know, like, uh, we're going to tell you right now that this whole film, they filmed in a warehouse. Just a, a, a full-on, like, it looks like Freddy Krueger's lair of a warehouse. Mm -hmm. And what does every warehouse or factory have? Like, multiple levels with multiple railings. So it's either that or... I don't know what other kill you could possibly have. One man get, is a full fire burn, so that's impressive for a B movie. Yeah, the uh, I, it's weird. The set designer should have gotten nominated at least because he really turned it into a spaceship slash club. <laughs> oh, we'll get to the club scene, but uh, I'll date this uh, podcast real quick and say that Oscar nominations dropped today for the 2021 Oscars, and I was surprised to not see Space Mutiny on there. Snubbed. It's fair. And the biggest snub, right next to Delroy Lindo from Defy Bloods. Uh, before we really get into the movie, though, uh, Jonathan, I'd like to ask all of our guests what their history with Space Mutiny is. Uh, you are the expert. You have brought on this movie. I'm gonna. We're going to skip the Adam and Trevor part of this. We have no history with this movie whatsoever. I don't mean to speak for you, Adam. Is this true? It's absolutely true, Trevor. <laughs> so, Jonathan, what is your history with the movie? Oh, well, okay. First off, I would say that I did not watch the original Space Mutiny as my first go at Space Mutiny. I think like many people around my age, uh, we all discovered Space Mutiny through the magic of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, specifically, it was season two, oh no, season eight, episode 20 of, of when it was on the Sci-Fi Channel, which I'm a huge fan of the Mike era. I don't like the Joel era, and I haven't really tried out the new ones on Netflix. So Mike is what I grew up with. And, and so watching this on the Sci-Fi Channel and watching them tear into it and 
and called you know the the captain of the ship Santa Claus the whole time and come up with all these uh, steak McBrick meat uh, for uh, Red Brown uh, who was previously Captain America in 1979 uh, in the made-for-TV movies of that so like he already had a history of being like oh I'm I'm a big you know big-chested muscular dude uh, and and these things on the screen especially at I, I guess I would have to be somewhere in the early teens. Uh, I, you know, this was early 90s or late 90s. So growing up and, and watching this film and being like, this is great. This is hilarious. Uh, I love that they kept giving me all these bad movies and B-movies to watch on a continual weekly basis. Uh, there was nothing bad that I could actually, you know, hate about this film because they were giving me the comedy that I needed to get through it. Sorry, I didn't really give you guys that. I was like, watch the straight movie. <laughs> yeah, Adam, I want to clarify. Did you watch just the normal version of Space Mutiny? I did not. Sorry, Jonathan. Uh, I went straight no, for it, Mystery it's Science okay. Theater. It, it's, it's totally okay because now we're on the same page of our first watches. Mm -hmm. So that's totally fine. Well, no. See, I watched the normal version of Space Mutiny. So I need you to, to let me know if I try any bits in the show, which we don't do bits on the show. Everyone knows that. And we're definitely not funny. But um, if I say anything that they say, just call me out on it. Because right when Jonathan was like, yeah, and he calls him Santa Claus the whole time, I'm just hitting delete, 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 delete <laughs> on my notes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I thought I had gold there. The guy looked like a wizard Santa Claus. Yep. It's it's and that's exactly one of the things and that's uh, for those of you who are like okay well which one do I watch I'll tell you right now uh, honestly as much as I love them and I love that the team was back together for when they went off and did riff tracks you can kind of skip the riff tracks version of this because you can kind of tell that they're trying their hardest to create new jokes when the original jokes were spot on. Yeah, I, I actually, I had a pretty good time. This was my first real time watching a full Mystery Science Theater episode. Um, and I was kind of skeptical because it was, I think, 97 that they recorded this. So it is kind of the older style of comedy. Mm -hmm. uh, but I enjoyed it. It was actually pretty funny. Excellent. I'm happy I don't, to hear that. I, I'm so much sure that I had such a be better time watching this movie than Trevor did. I, 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 yeah, I feel like a psychopath for having just watched the normal version of this movie and just straightforward sitting there with just no, 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 no expression on my face. Like my girlfriend was so tuned out when she was uh, kind of packaging some stuff up to send to USPS at that. Like I'll have movies on in the background sometimes and she'll comment on them. And, but like, she like didn't even notice how bad this movie was. And I, I like stopped at one point and was like, wait, hold on. Can you not hear how awful can you like like audibly how awful this movie is like you don't even need to look at the screen to know how bad it is like that's how stiff the acting and stuff is yeah and you know what i'm glad that you suffered because this whole season and even a little bit of the last season you've been saying that i'm the heel here that i love to talk about how bad movies are oh do i even like movies and here you come with your buddy jonathan and you reach your hand deep down into the toilet as far as you can go, and you pull out space a snake. Mutiny. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. oh, <wait. laughs> Too much snake talk on this episode so far. Uh, yeah, no. Um, Adam typically is the person who takes movies very seriously. So I, I did did like riff tracks or uh, MS3TK. Did that make you feel uncomfortable, Adam? 
<laughs> no, it was nice. I mean, it's funny because they, they, they're pretty jovial when they start. And by the credits, you know, they're talking about how bad the movie is. And I'm like, all right, right on. I'm there with you. I just like the last movie I watched was last night. I went down to the Hollywood Legion drive-in theater because I'm a big shot who does my own drive-ins. And I got uh, invited down there. Absolutely awesome setup. And I watched Return of the King, a movie that won like 12 <laughs> fucking Oscars. And the next movie I watch is Space Mutiny. Like uh, imagine, imagine that flip. I, I mean, I, uh, don't ask my opinion on that. I'll say they're the same movie. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, arguably, that is the best of the trilogy, but uh, not a fan. Uh, yeah, that would derail this entire episode. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that one day. <laughs> when we talk about Lord of the Rings, I'll just accidentally invite you on, and then we'll, it'll, everyone will expect it to be like a, a fawn fest over Lord of the Rings, and you'll be like, ah, wait one moment. Uh, Trevor, I think Adam just mentioned that I don't think people are into this whole torture porn scenario that you keep putting your co-host through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, podcasting in itself is very self-indulgent, but I I have this show just to uh, annoy Adam, essentially. Right, and I, I also do uh, about three hours of editing every every episode. Yeah, you're going to bump that up to about five hours So uh, for this episode. So uh, first off, uh, Jonathan, when you told me that, oh, I want to do Space Mutiny, it was written down in a text message. So I was looking at the two words, Space Mutiny, and my brain kept thinking, Space Mutants, Space Mutants. And when I realized it wasn't a creature movie in space, oh, God, I was so disappointed. I, that's fair. That's That's really fair, especially when... I'm sure through this entire genre, you have seen elaborate costumes and creatures and things like that. And you're in space, so you're like, can can you give me even one? Even one person who's like, I don't know, has a scar on his face? Like some sort of makeup? Anything? No, not this one. Just a bunch <laughs> of guys running around in the same uniform, just <laughs> mutinying it up, if that's a word. Uh, hey, yeah. Dad. Hey, Dad, can we borrow your warehouse for the weekend? <laughs> uh, no, no, we can't. Can I just have it for Saturday then? You're getting close to a, a mystery science theater joke there, Trevor. Oh, really? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I like that the tagline of this movie also kind of implies that it is a monster movie. Uh, it's funny because that tagline for this movie could like fit Alien perfectly, and yet Alien still has an even better tagline anyway. Yeah, go uh, read read the tagline for Alien in your most dramatic voice. In space, no one can hear you scream. Well, there it is, the clown like prince it. of podcasting. That was very good. Thank you. <laughs> Why don't you use uh, your good voice on the podcast? Sorry, Trevor. <laughs> uh, so we we usually uh, we usually talk about stuff we liked about the movie. So I'm pretty sure this discussion will be short. But I do want to talk about a couple things that I did like. Uh, um, I'm being completely I'm being completely honest. We talk about CGI a lot on this podcast for some fucking reason, <laughs> and um, I thought that the effects were kind of good, <laughs> like they were tangible. Anything that's tangible to me, I mistake for being good and better than a lot of the shit. Like, okay, it's coming out soon. Let's not talk about it too much. We've already mentioned it, but that that Zack Snyder's Justice League. That the CGI looks like hor horrific. It looks terrible, like to me. And it's like I know they dumped like millions and millions and millions of dollars into it. So, uh, what did you think of the effects of this movie? And obviously, no one has to agree with me. But like when the ships are flying at the version I watched, I was like, this doesn't look that bad actually, compared to how the acting is and everything else. Do you know why? Tell tell me, please. Because they just used stock footage from Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> 
Holy oh moly. I'm dead serious. Do you not recognize the ships at all? <laughs> no, I didn't watch Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. No, literally, if you look at the footage, what you're seeing is the, the big space station, which is the setting of this film, is just in reverse. It, it's it, it, if oh did you god. not notice that the engines were going like towards the camera oh my god you're right wow that's okay so first of all my take is pretty good that the effects were decent for the movie then <laughs> yeah yeah they were for the movie if they didn't straight up steal another property oh, that is amazing yeah see this is what this is exactly i love when a guest brings something on the show and just like tells me I, that, that's incredible adam what did you think of the effects i mean yeah how does how does david winters have the balls to try that uh, because David Winters left before he began directing it. <laughs> he had a death in the family and literally left set and handed it over to Neil Sunstorm, right? Who literally, his biggest credit, Neil's biggest credit on IMDb is Howling 5 The Rebirth. <laughs> Did he okay? direct it though? And, and he kind of ghost directed it because David oh. Winters couldn't get his name off of this film even though he didn't show up on set at all, right? Hmm. And then there's even more speculation, and it probably makes sense that David Pryor, who is like the king of action international pictures with David Winters, uh, that he's the one who actually directed a majority of this. And those who do not know who David Pryor is, all you got to look up is Aerobicide, a.k.a. Killer Workout, or deadly prey and the entire library of action international pictures uh, i could go in on forever about the these kind of things that they made that literally star the same people like your your wizard santa claus is in like all of their films <laughs> all of their films which uh by the way that that wizard santa claus is um uh yeah C cameron cameron mitchell yeah Interesting. There, there's that joke in Mystery Science Theater during the cre opening credits when uh, one of them says, like, oh, you know, it's just a standard cast of uh, David Winter's folks. And I thought I, I thought that was a joke, but I guess that's true. It's not. It's not at all. So, like, for example, Cameron Mitchell, Wizard Santa Claus, right? He was in Deadly Prey that I mentioned. Uh, uh, Amir Shervin, uh, the director, Amir Shervin, uh, he did Hollywood Cop and most famous for Samurai Cop, so another bad movie. Uh, he was in Action USA that has just had a resurgence. Uh, Night Train to Terror, Raw Force, Demon Cop. Like, listen to these titles and you'll get an idea of what we're talking about here. Uh, the man who plays the villain, Calgon, which, I mean, they've done Calgon jokes to death on the Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> but uh, he's in uh, famous movies such as Barbarella. So, like, all these people are B-movie to the core. I'm, I'm sitting here with my mouth just open. Like I'm just so I'm 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 so impressed by your knowledge of B movies. I'm just like I've never seen any of these people. I I, I have to give the casting director some credit for somehow. And I don't. I'm not the mean one on this podcast, Adam. I'm not. But how in the world did they cast only ugly people? I, I just <laughs> I didn't I didn't understand that. I was like in a B movie like this, like how are there not just like some hot people on screen somewhere? You know, how, <laughs> how is your lead? Okay. When you have red Brown, which uh, anybody listening that wants to Google red Brown, it's R E B. When I say that, uh, <laughs> look him up. He was the seventies captain America, like I mentioned, and in the TV sequel, captain America Two: death too soon. 
okay? So uh, he was the epitome of the Chris Evans of the 70s, according to whoever casted him in that. So, like, that's probably your most handsome person in the film paired up next to uh, some a woman that I'd never heard of, right, but literally has her name spelled differently in the opening credits versus the credit roll at the end, uh, <laughs> Sissy Cameron. Uh, this was her second to last film, and she was 34 at the age of it and looks like Betty White on the set of Golden <laughs> I know, Girls. I know, I know. It was crazy. Like, I, the, you say 34, I'm like, oh, my. Uh, Adam, if there's one I know, because thing... I'm way past that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought Adam, she was what, good, but I'm, I'm into gilfs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You thought her performance was good because you're into kills, you psycho. Um, Adam, if there's one thing we like on the show, and and uh, Jonathan talked about it, what is it? Uh, hot people. <laughs> yes, and the proper treatment of this of this country's veterans. Yes, right. but also, <laughs> also. We love a ghost director. We love it. We Absolutely. talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. So th- I'm fascinated to, to find out that there was a ghost director on this. Uh, I, w- I absolutely love that. So, uh, so thank would you for you, bringing that. W- would you say that um, you want to coin a new term as if that's ghosting? You want to take ghosting and, and, uh, and re-own it so yeah. it can stop have a, having a negative connotation as yes. it does right now? Yes. Let's reclaim ghosting, Adam, and we're gonna st- we're gonna have to start a, a new segment, and we'll call it uh, ghosting ghost ghosting something or other. But the next time we have a movie that has a ghost director, we'll do the segment. Excellent. Um, wait, wait. I have one more question about Winters. I, I read yeah. a little bit of trivia. I think you you probably know more about this, Jonathan. But there's a, a woman's name credited as a writer, Dante, and that's just Jonathan Winter. I mean, that's just Winters, isn't it? Um, I personally don't know that one i mean i i'm the type of person if i don't know it, i'm gonna be honest i'm not gonna bullshit you. <laughs> um I, but that's that's that kind of thing in b movies where you, uh, for example if you didn't know one of the more famous i i most people would be like how dare you call it a b movie uh i i even got flack for that when we hosted this film at the frida is the running man uh <laughs> the ghost writer of the running man is stephen king holy shit yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Ghost, Ghost, uh, Running Man is a fun movie. It's definitely a B movie, so right. I don't know what people are talking about. But but Stephen King literally wrote the short story of wow. the Running Man, and then was like, uh, ch- change my name on it. <laughs> and yeah, so like that kind of stuff happens constantly in these films, especially once post starts happening and they kind of see the dailies or what's going on, a lot of people become a little hesitant of what they got themselves into, which is one of the joys I feel of B-movies. Like, one of my favorite one would consider a bad movie is Howard the Duck, right? Now, like I said, Hard Ticket to Y is still up there, but uh, Howard the Duck, to me, is one of those quintessential examples of a film in which every single person thought that they were doing one, the Lord's work. Like they, they put their all into it. Leah Thompson is actually singing on that soundtrack. Um, you you have uh, the villain played by uh, 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 Jeffrey uh, from Beetlejuice, the dad in Beetlejuice and everything. Like all these people and everybody who made the costume of Howard himself and George Lucas is the producer of that film. Everybody believed that what they were making was going to be good and they put their heart and soul into it. And that's what I passionately love about most of these bad movies, B movies, is that you can tell 
the difference between incompetence and yeah, they kind of know what they're doing and they just passionately cared about whatever this project was. It was a passion project. And and the heart that's in these kind of things, regardless of how bad they are, is what makes it so enjoyable, at least for me. I'm 100% with you on that. And I, I can tell, I think there's there's been one time it's it's worked and it was, I think, uh, Rodriguez's Planet Terror. I mean, he made a bad movie on purpose, but it had right. like enough winking and it like I, they even like made it look like it was scratched up film stuff. That was fun. I liked that. But the second he tried to overextend it with the Machete movies and stuff like that, it didn't work at all for me. Um, and then you have your movies like Velasa Pastor that came out mm-hmm. this year. And uh, sorry, Adam, I know I'm a I'm a bit of a big shot. Uh, I do know the director of Velasa Pastor, so I don't I don't want to no hate on Velasa Pastor. It is what it is, and actually is quite entertaining. I love but it. But he. He You're made just that laying clout. Wow. <laughs> he 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 made a, a bad movie on purpose. I mean, it's very obvious while watching it. So I'm with you. I'd rather, much rather, watch a movie that was made uh, with intent and actually ended up bad. Uh, but I have one thing that I want to bring up, and it's interesting that Adam mentioned the pseudonym situation with the writer. That's really weird to me because when you watch a lot of these quote unquote bad movies. The directors uh, think they're like these big auteurs, like your Tommy Wiseau's or your um, sorry, who made Birdemic. Um, I forgot the. I should name. know this, and I. Don't. I know. He just, and he's coming out with a third one, apparently. It's just such a basic name. That's why we don't remember it. It's, it's not Tommy Wiseau. You know what I mean? Um, right. It's like Brian Lee or Cause, something. Because that's the end all and be all bad movies, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but they, all of them want want it to say like written, directed, produced, edited. They they want all of their name on everything. So it's interesting that there would be a pseudonym in this situation, right? I do have to add that David Winters himself is the type of person who, when faced with a challenge, such as wanting to cast a certain person in uh, the the movie that he was doing at the time, which uh, I get them both confused if it's like BMX Bandits or Rad, but he is the director of one of those, and he wanted to cast a specific actor who's a big-name actor, which name is Escaping A at this point, and when he was denied of such things that's when he went on to film uh to establish action international pictures aip uh in which he joined up with david Pryor and peter yuval and they distributed 41 bad films and then made 17 of their own within that time between 1988 and 1994. uh so they are not the type of that will take no for an answer. They'll just go and do their own thing, which is, uh, once again, you know, to reiterate this idea of, like, there's passion within the bad. Right. You know, I mean, I, I'm not completely against that. I uh, recently got to see the uh, gore cut of Tammy and the T-Rex Yes. at the Frida. That movie is incredible. I mean, I, I loved it. And I, so I see the merit of what exactly what you're talking about. I think... I have to ask this question because the fans sort of demand this kind of thing. Um, but Jonathan, how do you feel about B movie? Oh, the like the B movie, the Seinfeld one. Yeah, yeah. I've actually never seen it. The only thing I've seen is the supercut of every time somebody said <laughs> the word B, and that's enough for me. That's good. So you have um, seen it. I, I, might as well say yes. Okay, so, but, so technically, though, you're not a real B-movie fan, we can say. No, I guess not. 
No, I will just say bad movie. And and that's that thing. It, it's such a weird uh, <laughs> line in itself. You know, that uh, calling something a bad movie has gotten me into many a discussion uh, yeah. that Trevor knows himself of, yeah. of uh, where is that fine line and, and who wants to slap their, their, their name on saying that this is a bad movie, you know, and how dare you call anything bad because it's art. And it's just like, eh everything is subjective this entire podcast and what we're talking about is subjective it's just opinions and your your opinion sucks and my opinion sucks and it doesn't matter we're just having a good time discussing movie movies in a communal fashion like what better fun is there yeah and um i just want to say that in this series right we've watched uh help me out flash gordon attack of the clones fifth element jupiter ascending Cowboy uh, Bebop. Yeah, the one I forgot was the one that you picked, Adam. Cowboy yeah, Bebop. Thank you. Um, and in terms of like pure enjoyment, Space Mutiny, in, in my opinion, 100% dead last. I hated it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, no. I, this movie, I have no problem calling a bad movie, but I respect – listen, I've made – Adam doesn't want to admit it, but I've made movies. It's fucking hard. It's not easy. Like I get, I get it. When I see a bad movie, I'm like, hey, man. Like, I, that's why on this show we try to look at, like, like hey, the opening credits of this movie and the closing credits were pretty cool. I like them. And, like, like and then in a non-ironic way, I really enjoyed how sure. throwback-y they felt. Because if the movie was made in 88, they're pretty 80s, but they're, like, almost – they almost feel postmodern in a way of, like, are they really that 80s? I mean, it, there's nothing as 80s as getting your own – like synth rock ballad at the end that has nothing to do with the rest of the movie which adam please by the end and i guarantee nobody gives a damn about copyright infringement here play that song <laughs> I, that's your outro to this episode here i stand on the edge of a dream and you're like what this movie is about insurrection <laughs> like <laughs> but i mean to be fair the insurrection in this film is as stupid as the real one we just had so you yeah. know <laughs> but uh, but that's 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 what some some of the stuff that you mentioned you know like you have Casio keyboard soundtrack throughout this entire thing you have uh, the railing kills that you saw you have the fact that the laser beams in this film change colors per scene mm -hmm. you have things like the sun from the uh, I I love this this is this is a little bit of trivia for this film um, the sun from the you know the upstairs windows of the warehouse they were filming in were originally painted over uh you know and 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 kind of dimmed right so uh, with a with a red paint so it looked like the glare of the inside of the engines because this entire uh you know the bit, most of the setting is this warehouse that was supposed to resemble the engine room of this spaceship that they were going to hold a mutiny in right so when this film was sent to the color correctors, they went ahead and recolor corrected the red back to the sunlight because they had no idea the intentions of what was going on there. So now the film and its final form is just sunlight going through the rafters and you're like, oh, well, how is that possible in space? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think, uh, uh, Trevor, you were kind of touching on it, but like... Uh, I agree with you. Making films is hard, um, and I, I made a few myself. Watching this movie always, and watching movies like of this caliber, always gets me a little bit paranoid that like the next time I set out to make something, it's going to turn out exactly like this. 
I, 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 yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you. Like I've made a couple movies and they're not this bad, but they're not, there's a thin line. You know what I mean? Like they easily, like the <laughs> next one I make could just be this bad. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, I like, yeah, there's no, there's no way like to know. Um, I always say that like the mark of a bad script is when people, the characters say the other characters names too much. Kind of like I do on this show. I'm constantly saying Jonathan or Adam, you know, to, mm-hmm. it, it's like, people don't really talk like that in real life, but the, the truth is we're not on zoom. I can't even see you. So to even, to even get your attention or whatever, I'm saying your name, but instead of saying their name so much in this movie, it was every, like every little term needed a name. Do you know what I mean? It's like the worst type of world building. So like immediately you have a character say like the smorgasmogas are, are attacking the smorgasmogas. And I'm just like, Oh my God, dude, it's, I can't do this. And it leads to a lot of tripping up on the dialogue. Like the actors just don't, they, they can't quite nail down the goofy dialogue. So the takes are just like, it's amazing when it's like, that's the best take you got of that dude saying smorgasmogas. You know what I mean? It's just really, <laughs> it's, it's the best. That's in my opinion, the worst type of world building where it's like, again, I'll bring up Lord of the Rings or whatever. And there's a lot of stuff in Lord of the Rings that has names, but every once in a while it's like, yeah, that's that that's just a stick. We just call that a stick. We don't call that a, a, a goofy move, you know. <laughs> but, but other things are so, like you mentioned the script <laughs> or lack thereof sometimes. Other things are so blatantly like, what, duh? Like, for example, uh, to, to, to give you a setting, folks, is that this ship has been floating through space for decades, De- like looking for basically a new Earth, right? It, it, it's Wally, basically, right? And and some people on the ship, the villain, Calgon, and a couple others, are just literally fed up with the fact that they haven't found land or they refuse to land somewhere, is my assumption, because like I, they're getting attacked by random uh, other enemies out in space, which means those people had to come from somewhere, right? And the fact that uh, they they sit there and they say, like, I've got to get off this ship. Uh, we're going to do a mutiny because uh, I just can't stand to be here. We've got to find land, right? And then they they give you lines of dialogue, which they're trying to investigate who could be the person doing the mutiny. And they have a line like, I think whoever did this knows his way around spaceships. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, no shit. That's, all, that's the only place you have to go. Right, like, right. who doesn't? You know, I mean, the one place that Calgon might not know his way around is the nightclub. Yeah, no, we need we do need to talk about that nightclub scene because that that was an absolute standout. So for anybody who's listening, everyone knows this, but when a movie shoots a nightclub scene, I don't know if they did this on Space Mutiny, but the most fun thing is to notice how um, or to look at the actors and imagine how there's not actually any noise on the set while they're shooting those scenes. Like they can't just have really loud music playing. So I always like to imagine the music's not playing what the actors are doing. So there's a lot of busy work in the background. That's very, very funny in this movie. But Adam, quick question. Are you a fan of the Matrix movies? Yes, I am. At least two of them. Uh, okay, so what has the better dance scene, this or the Matrix Reloaded orgy? Wow. Tough, but <laughs> I'm a sucker for orgy. Yeah, okay. All right. I agree with you. I think that the Wachowski's orgy scene in Matrix Reloaded is better than this. No, Are you um, kidding me? Yeah. The girl dances with a hula hoop seductively for the man she literally just got into a fight with the scene before as if they that didn't happen like that the kind of things it's like the film itself forgets 
what film it's in. For for like I I don't want to get off the the nightclub because it, it's fascinating that this is even in there. Uh, but like the film itself forgets that like in in a situation in which you're all on the same spaceship and you find out that the bad guy is your head of security, just go to his office and arrest him. John, you know? Jonathan, I don't like the idea of you bad-mouthing this movie that we enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I thought we had established we loved this movie. <laughs> or, or or, the fact that, like, uh, Space Wizard's daughter, uh, which her name is Leia or Leah, like, they can't <laughs> seem to pronounce it, and I don't know if they're, they're trying to skirt around Princess Leia, yeah. but she's kidnapped, and then... Uh, Calgon, the villain, is like, you have 12 hours to surrender. That's a lot of time to figure out a plan to rescue a girl who's on the same damn ship as you. <laughs> yeah, like you like your point earlier, you're like, there's nowhere else to go. I mean, like, let, that's going to be pretty easy to find. But the nightclub, the nightclub. Yes, the nightclub yes, yes. stuff was the most inspired filmmaking of the movie i felt like because there was one close-up essentially on some girl's ass that's it like for like <laughs> 10 seconds uh, did anyone yeah. notice that where i was like i'm like okay so we we have a use of a close-up here okay okay we're we're, we're filmmaking now 50 year old woman in a leotard uh doing a hula hoop seduction dance that's what we got right yes again i was into oh, it oh oh Oh, but that girl, did did you see the girl that like was in the nightclub and then goes outside to meet Calgon and he shoots her and then she's in the next scene on the bridge? <laughs> oh my God, I did not notice that. But yeah, she walks into the room and, the, and she's like, what do you want? And he just turns around and shoots her or whatever. I mean, to give credit, Mystery Science Theater pointed that out. Mm-hmm. I, I have to give it credit, but like... See, Trevor, that's why you got to go back and, and watch that one after this. Do yourself a favor and, and go back and enjoy this film. I would like to sit down and watch the uh, MS3TK. I watched a little bit of the Riff, Riff Tracks one, like maybe two or three minutes just to see what it was like. And, I, and then I forgot that that was not the same as the MS3TK. Are they, are they all on Amazon? Uh, yes. Oh, my God. That's crazy. I've never seen a movie that has like three or four different versions on one streaming platform. <laughs> So I, I, I know that you want to get into your ratings because you're just dying to, to rate this, but I do want to point out <laughs> one last thing uh, in the meat and potatoes of the film, my favorite scene, the Zamboni chase. <laughs> the climax yes, of the yes. movie. Uh, yeah, right, yes. <laughs> and And why I want to point this out is because they passionately thought – that one, this spaceship was so big that you could literally have a like a warring civil war, <laughs> like, and that you literally need to get from one end of it to the other using these like go kart zambonis, right? And they thought that it was going to be exciting to do a chase in these five to ten mile per hour vehicles, and I mean, you guys saw it, you saw the outcome. Does it work for you? Yeah. The, uh, it, well, well, it did, it did remind me of what I was saying earlier. The last scene in Austin Powers, where like the the part where Michael McDonald stands in front of the steamroller and says, "Yes," no! for like ten seconds. But also, <laughs> move, I know, move. <laughs> yeah, he like gives him a chance to move like ten times. <laughs> I um. I noticed that there was a part where they had to kind of uh, the Zambonis kind of ran into each other and blew up, and it like the Zambonis themselves. And I know it's funny we're just calling them Zambonis, but um, they actually again tangible. They looked okay, but when they needed to blow up, it looked like they took like two toasters and just threw them <laughs> together. Um, but also to be fair, um, with all the random explosions that happen in this film, somehow the Zambonis make bigger explosions than like the reactor room blowing up. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they're so volatile, but boom. 
That's because that was another thing that they stole from Battlestar Galactica when they had the episode about the Zamboni explosions. <laughs> also, I do love that the final shot of this film is uh, our hero and our, our Princess Leia basically making out and then uh, she goes, does that mean you won't marry me? As they're like calling <laughs> yeah. him to board his spaceship. And he says nothing, picks her up, moves her to another area in the room and proceeds to make out with her as the camera pans out. End oh. film, edge of a dream. It was films. romantic. I love it. <laughs> yeah. As if he was like, I'm not feeling making out right here. Let's move 500 feet over here. <laughs> um, I also just love the sheer confidence in this movie with the ideas, like the fact that these Zambonis, like they were around them, the crew and everything. They had eyes. They could see these things didn't look like they went fast, but they're thinking like maybe on camera, they'll probably look pretty good. Um, but I do like also the... Uh, uh, before we get to ratings here, Jonathan, you said that there was no uh, aliens in this film, but technically, I think the Valerians are aliens, right? I think that was their name. Oh, the, they're Valerians. Don't get it confused with uh, that that other bad space opera that you didn't pick. Yes, I was gonna say no. that it, they were called. They were not called Valerians. They were called Valerians. Okay, cool. Let's let's make sure that we focus in on this subplot that means nothing. <laughs> but it was like a weird layer of mysticism in this like sci-fi story, which I thought was bold at least. No, this this was actually just uh, AIP's uh, attempt at making sure that you got a little bit of TNA. That's it. <laughs> That's literally what this comes down to. As if they they took and watched the dailies and was like uh this 34 year old girl's not going to cut it we need to have somebody in leotards that you know somebody gets a little bit aroused by and so they 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 introduce these valerians that come into a room and it's like nobody come into this room if you come into this room we're going to make you feel sexual thoughts i guess i i don't really know and then they just play with the electric balls from spencer's and that's it <laughs> that's it like, oh, and they kind of feel up Santa Claus Space Wizard for one scene. But they have no point or purpose to the plot other than for guys to go, yeah, I saw I saw some boobies. Yeah, I love that joke from Mystery Science Theater that said, uh, oh, Christmas is coming to Santa. <laughs> yeah, they touch him and ho, 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 ho. <laughs> Adam, did the main dude in this remind you of Sam Jones from Flash Gordon? Like, you just switched him. Yeah, absolutely. He, it was the same kind of stock, right? It, mm-hmm. it, it's, such a, it's such a diss on Sam Jones from Flash Gordon. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, I have a question for both of you, and just be honest with me. Um, so the Fifth Element and Jupiter Ascending have broken our scale in one way. They've just scored so high. Do we should we even rate this movie? Honestly, like, should we just skip that part of the podcast and keep talking about it? I mean, uh, you, we we can do both. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, I, okay. Let's, I, let's... I understand that I have a history. Anybody who's heard my old podcast uh, is like he'll talk about a film longer than the film it is, and I have no problem with that. Like, you know, <laughs> like I I will celebrate a film until it's it's dead in the grave. So, I mean, however you want to go about this, we can. Uh, I am very curious to see where it will fall on your scale because that, that's part of the fun. That's part of the game uh, for me as a as a listener. Like. I, I'm gonna say, you know, 16 episodes in, I'm a fan. So wow, let's you. do it. Yeah. Let, 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 I, first of all, I appreciate that. And secondly, yeah. um, it, no, it, but but you've established you do have bad taste. It does make sense. 
I I I don't want to sit here and and milk the cow, but I will say that it's it's a lot more fun, a lot more refreshing to 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 get, you know, a show that will literally just pit something against another thing, and neither one are deserving to go up against each other. So, <laughs> go for it. Let's do it. Let's move there because we just had our lowest scored movie ever with Cowboy Bebop with ninety eight. I want to see how basically low we can go. So, uh, <laughs> Jonathan, you might know the rules, but. One through ten, we're going to rate these five categories. Let's start. Uh, category number one, Space Mutiny. How epic in scope is this movie? <laughs> so I'm going to say that if you said, oh, what's what's the scale of, well, according to them, like you need a Zamboni to get everywhere. So like, you know, the, the scale of the ship is huge. But when it comes to scope of like, oh, they go to this planet, they go to that planet, right. they go to no planets, <laughs> yeah. and there are no aliens, and the ship itself <laughs> might, I don't know, they might just turn the engines off and they're just sitting in the same place. I don't know, because after the, uh, the ripoff of Battlestar Galactica space battle in the beginning, nothing outside of the ship ever happens again. So I'm going to say three. Okay. Adam, what do you think? Uh, let's just give it a plain old zero. This 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 barely takes place in a ship. <laughs> you see, Adam, you have the quote unquote advantage of having seen the other movies in the space opera, so you know that we've been planet hopping throughout this series, and it it is hard to watch a movie where they just stay on the same ship and barely use any of that said ship. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I'm I'm actually I Adam can actually watch me do it on the sheet as we go, and he knows that I, I did write down three before Jonathan said three, so I'm right there with you, Jonathan. There definitely okay. is some scope. We're in space. We're not, you know what I mean, like. We're, we're, we're basing this off of other movies we've watched and stuff, but it's fairly epic in how big the ship is and stuff. I'll give it a three. It's a smaller okay. scope than if it would, took place on Earth, Trevor. <laughs> so in order <laughs> – that, that's fair. If, if it was eventual space mutiny, like where, where it, the ship didn't get off the ground yet, then sure. Uh, right, right, I right. will have to say in defense of the movie that I picked, Adam, you have to at least give it a one. You can't give something a zero, I, I feel. Like mm-hmm. you, you said from one to ten. Can you like? Can you give me a quick? That, that, uh, can you give them? Get give it a point at least. If you, <laughs> yeah, but you have to justify that one point. You gotta give. You gotta give us a little bit of positivity there. Yeah, I mean fair. So I guess maybe zero is okay. I just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to give uh, uh, one point at least. Yeah, it, it's true, Adam. We do say from one to ten. All right, all right. The fact that there are aliens in it technically. Balerians. Yes. There's barely any aliens. I'll give it a one. Balerians. Bal- <laughs> no, cut that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. The, the, the cutting room floor on this one's going to be just filled with gold. <laughs> I'm having a blast. Uh, second category here. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I forgot what the categories are. How colorful is Space Mutant? <laughs> okay. Okay. So... Due to the fact that this film goes in laser beams from red to blue to green to orange, back to red, then purple, then orange by the end of the film, I'd say it hits every spectrum 10 out of 10. Okay. All right. Now we're getting spicy. Okay. So what you're hearing right now is Adam sweating as this movie moves closer to Cowboy Bebop. (laughs) I mean, it, it hit every color. Like, there was every color in there. So, I, there it is, 10. I, I, I feel your justification. I totally uh, 
understand how you came to that. I'm going to give it a three, personally. Uh, the, a lot of blue from the leotards yeah, and red. The, blue and red, so I hear the, you. Yeah, the color uh, palette overall was pretty, uh, was pretty oatmeal. There's not an absence of color here, but if I'm basing it on other stuff I'm seeing, I also am giving it a three. I'm staying consistent with my threes right here. It was lit like a like a cheap jewelry commercial. Like when you see a commercial in between shows at, at midnight or whatever that says, like, come down to something above jewelry emporium and give all that. Like, it just looks so bad. Yeah, like and, a furniture commercial. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> Larry, you're killing me! <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Like someone you know is doing well, but couldn't you know pay to actually have a decent like a general commercial or something. I'll give it a three. Uh, third category. This is a weird one. How unprepared slash reluctant is the hero of Space Mutiny? Um, unprepared, I would say a hundred percent, but that's not the, it's a ten. So he's ten for unprepared, right? But let me preface that you said reluctant he's not reluctant at all he <laughs> dives headfirst into everything without any preparation so i think i have to split it down the middle and say five very fair i'm gonna i'm gonna skip before you adam here i'm gonna i wrote down five as well for that exact reason uh pretty pretty unprepared for sure uh but yeah just hops right into it not 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 the uh john mcclain type that's complaining the whole time just kind of tries to get it done i mean two two uh, to the the point where he himself, as they play a game of chicken at that final climax, uh, just screams uncontrollably <laughs> and then prepares for the stunt as an actor. So even the actor unprepared. That uh, was and so then, funny. <laughs> it's it's uh, so mystery science theater always like replays what they think is like the standout like moment from what they just watched after their credits, and that is the thing that they'll play. Uh, for this film specifically. So, like, I, it really is hilarious if you've never seen a grown man just scream at the top of his lungs and then take a beat and then jump out of said uh, Zambo. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to give it a five also. I barely had a read on any of the character arcs here. so <laughs> Got to go down the middle because you just can't justify anything else. Right. I was just going to give it whatever Jonathan gave it. All right, okay. f- five, 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 not too bad. Uh, category number four, how optimistic is this movie? Is it looking at the world in a good way or a bad way? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but not available uh, on this one. It, it's, it's not, it, it does not preach anything specific at all. It, it does not uh, say that, I don't know, the search for, I don't know, a new earth, I guess, is a, bad, a good thing or a bad thing. It, the only thing that it te- seems to preach is, like, cabin fever sucks, and it'll make you do things. Because that's kind of what the villain's whole thing is, is, like, I want to get off this ship, and if I have to do it by, I don't know, selling the rest of the ship into slavery, which... It's, you're dead on, Trevor. Like I've watched this multiple times, and there's never a full-on hint of the slavery part, and unless it's in that in that one boardroom scene where they literally beat that guy to death, <laughs> and, and and to the point where the table collapses, <laughs> you know, while he's on top of it because he happened to be like, I don't know if this is a good idea, and the rest of them just beat him to death. Yeah, I don't really know how. It's sending any message, so sorry, Space Mutiny. You're at a one. Oof. Yeah, Adam. Yeah, I <laughs> I don't know is a great way to answer this question. I pulled up a random number generator, one through ten. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to click roll. Here we go. 
Four. Giving it a four. Generous. Very generous random <laughs> number generator. I'm giving it a two simply because um, I think I think this is not the question if this movie is good or not, but a good movie to me always has a point of view. This movie just simply does not have a point of view, so I cannot say it's optimistic, but I can't say it's not – I can't say it's pessimistic, so I'm giving it a two. Uh, number five, category number five, how cool is the tech? We can make up some points here, I think. <laughs> okay. So you've got – the ship itself, you've got uh, fighter ships, you've got laser guns, you've got a transporter beam that happens for one one thing and never used again. You've got <laughs> 80s computers embedded into the wall, and just for good measure, some hovering Zambonis and a propane tank to light people on fire. So... Eight out of ten for me. Okay, strong, very strong, Adam. Wait, did you mention the uh, the laser balls? Oh, oh, the Balerian balls. Right. There you go. I mean, do we know? Do we know what they do? Uh, I don't know. Entertain millions of Spencer gifts, but that that that's about it. Yeah, uh, I'll give it a six. Okay. I... <laughs> cool, man. Th- thanks for justifying that. I I I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll help you out, Adam, because we're, we're coming from the same place here. We've done uh, movies that have, in this series, lightsabers. We've done uh, the, the the guns from The Fifth Element, one of the coolest movie props in the history of movies. The entirety of Jupiter Ascending is essentially just cool tech. Uh, Cowboy Bebop had some awesome stuff, so we're coming off of this run. I can give this movie no higher than a five. I'm going with a five here. Uh, there is definitely some cool tech, but it just does not compete with everything else. That's fair. You can't compete with Wolfman. Uh, 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 shit, I just ruined the joke. <laughs> I was gonna say you can't you can't compete with Wolfman rollerblades. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah no. Honest, honestly, though, like we were talking about how cool those are. Like, and they they use that in that movie like ten times. Channing Tatum will just bust into a room with one of those on and just start pew 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 pew. Uh, last category. This is the bonus category. How? Oh, here we go. We can make up some points here, everyone. Strap in. How evil is the villain? Maniacal laugh. That's all I'm gonna say. Every scene in the film, he's laughing at something. Ten out of ten. <laughs> uh, yeah, love it. Yeah, love from it, his perspective it. and everything, uh, he's just pure evil, right? Uh, I'll give it a. I'll give it an eight. Okay, an eight. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't. I watched this movie, and it concluded five minutes before Adam sent me the link to record this podcast, and I don't remember the villain all that well. Um, other than what was it him? One of the characters you, looked a lot like Robert Patrick from uh, Terminator two. Did anyone notice that? I think that was him uh, yeah. a, a little bit. Yeah, I could say that. Uh, maybe Robert Patrick on last night's walking dead dating show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> spoiler, but, um, uh, yeah, he, he kind of did, but here's, here's why the villain more than likely wasn't as memorable to you is because Calgon, who is the main villain villain and the other guy in the, the white uh, like admiral uniform basically look like the same person right exactly that that's what i was thinking one of them looked a lot like robert patrick and i actually got really like bummed out and i was like oh no man this was only a couple years before t1 or t2 like what are we doing here you know and then i looked it up and it thank goodness it wasn't robert patrick but either either way he would have recovered anyway so i wouldn't have been too worried and the way you tell them apart is the guy in the admiral uniform caught fire and burst into a, <laughs> yeah. a, a full flames and so did Calgon, but Calgon survived. 
Very nice. Adam, what did you give How Evil is a Villain? Eight. Eight? Uh, I gave it a six. Yeah, it w- gave it a six. It was easier to keep track of because they kept mentioning how uh, my skull's almost out of my face whenever the, oh, the yeah. guy was on screen. <laughs> well, I have final scores here from each of us. Jonathan, out of, a, out of a possible 50, you have given the film you brought in, Space Mutiny, a 37. How do you feel about that score? Could be better. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were the one doing the ratings. I know, I know. I didn't know it was out of a possible 50, though. I was like, yeah, this is going to be good. Yeah, 37 out of 50 is like a high C. Like, if, if you know, if I got a C plus on this movie in class, I'd be happy. That's fair. If I got a high C in class, I'd be happy because that's better than Sunkiss. Delicious. <laughs> uh, Adam, out of a possible 50, you have given Space Mutiny 27. Does that feel correct? Uh, he too generous, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Too high, too high. Uh, and somehow, uh, I have taken Adam's place in this podcast. I have given the film 24 out of 50. I, I'm sorry. I, I uh, Did I add this up right? Yeah, 24. So... Not not great. I'm going to add it up real quick. Uh, live on the air, everyone, you're going to hear me click in a little bit. 37 plus 27 plus 24 equals 88. <laughs> so, Adam, this movie only was 10 points away from Cowboy Bebop. How do you feel about that? Uh, that's better than having one point away, at least. Yeah. Uh, so, Jonathan, your, your, your movie that you brought on aptly is now the lowest scoring movie in the history of the show. I feel like this is the monologue at the end of Billy Madison. I award you no points, and God have, God have mercy on your soul. Oh, Trevor, I could do worse. <laughs> no, oh, oh, I know, I know. When I saw 1.7 on Letterboxd, I was like, whoa, why so high? <laughs> Um, yeah, that this was this was a very very fun uh, movie to watch, but you know it may have played better to us. You know, ha- next time we bring you on, we'll bring you on during a, a real serious, uh, you know, series. You know, a, a series where we're not talking about Jupiter ascending and the Fifth Element and Flash Gordon. So I think it may have played it played painfully to me. You know what I mean? Like I, I was like, oh, let's have some fun with Space Mutiny, and then the opening credits started, and I was like, oh, this is really fun. And then like ten minutes into this, I'm like, oh man. Like I'm, I'm hitting, I'm hitting pause every five minutes. Oh, oh, I, I left this out. I left this out. On everything, on everything. I swear on everything I know. My dog jumped up on the Roku remote during the uh, the club scene and paused the movie. <laughs> okay. You wanted to see more. That is, that is that is true. He paused the movie so that we wouldn't have to continue watching. And I said, "Sorry, Bowser." And I like moved him off. Said, "We got to finish this baby." <laughs> wow. He knew what was up. Uh, so let's move to the awards section. Uh, Jonathan, we've gone over this, but at the end of every series, we have the outro. So this will be called the Outro to Space Opera, where we give away our Silver Ghosties Award. Uh, it couldn't be the Golden Ghosties because that alliteration actually makes sense and works. And also, they're not made out of gold. They're made out of silver. So um, let me give you some examples here. We have the Trevor Dillon Award for Clever Villain, the Adam Wagner Award for Lamest Planet, the Jordan DJ Award for Shitty Redmayne, etc., 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 what are we going to be naming your award after? It's going to be the Jonathan Young Award for what? And keep in mind, it does not have to skew towards your movie. It doesn't have to skew towards space opera. It can just be for anything. Oh, okay. So I'm going to go ahead and put out there that this is going to be the Jonathan Young Railing Stunt Award. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And, 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 and what that award means is how many of the same type of stunt does one film have you know oh, like like yes. so so an example this film 
is just nonstop railing stunt, railing stunt, railing stunt, right? And and I know when you look at something like, uh, you know, like Attack of the Clones, uh, you know, you could be like, yeah, there was so many times that somebody swung a saber, but, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But, uh, like how many times does Anakin jump out of a ship in that film? So like, I think that this is going to be a great competitor in this genre alone. It's just like, how many times do you see the same damn stunt? Yeah. We just talked about one that I think would do really well. And that's Channing Tatum just doing the same move in Jupiter ascending where he has to save me <laughs> Lacunas by just bombing into a room with those skate, awesome skate things and just start pew, 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 like literally. So there's actually, this is a great, uh, award to be given away for this genre. I'm not. I, I don't think it's a lock for Space Mutiny. What do you think? Yeah, Adam? I think it can go a few ways. I don't want to spoil it yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Space Mutiny gets the award for railing stunts for railing stunts. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that has happened. So uh, just FYI, though, if you do win any of the awards, and we have a lot of awards giveaway in this outro because we had uh, two episodes where we had uh, two duos on. So mm-hmm. each of them got their own award. Um, you do have to leave me a message on my phone that will be edited into the episode if you if Space Mutiny walks away with one or many more Silver Ghosty awards. Okay. Okay. Uh, this well, was fun, man. Thank you, yeah. thank you, Jonathan, for coming on the show. Uh, is, I had a blast. Uh, is there anything that you want to plug before we get out of here? Well, number one, I want to make sure that I reserve my spots for when you get into the genres of remakes because I want to do the blob. Just putting it out there right okay. now. I'm, I'm, I'm way down. Real passion, passionate about that one. And it okay. sounds like if we can ever talk about Starship Troopers, you might want to come back. Uh, I have me back as much as you'd like to. <laughs> if, if literally you want to have like a, a, a segment where I just like leave you a voicemail and I give you the B version of any of these genres, I'd be happy to do that. Like it's so much fun to talk to you guys. Like and it's fun to listen to you guys. So I'm why <laughs> here I am plugging you when I should be plugging. <laughs> you asked me to plug myself. Yeah, but, listeners um, of this podcast, listen to this podcast. Yeah, if, if those of you are listening, don't stop. <laughs> please, how how please. about that? Wow. <laughs> and they're like, you know what? I was going to turn it off because of this guy today, but uh, he told me not to. So, uh, yeah, and and, and from- listeners of this show, the space opera series, it's it's over. It's it's, it's ending. Thank and, goodness. Oh, I, I ended it on a high note, uh, and and it's going to be a high note because because Adam, you're going to play that edge of the dream. Absolutely. So. Uh, <laughs> um, let, let, let's get to the meat and potatoes real quick. Uh, this is the first time that I'm actually putting this out there into the world, like in an audio format. Uh, so bear with me here. Uh, throughout my working relationship with Trevor over the years and, and just doing screenings at the Frida and, and those kind of experiences, I've, I've really just enjoyed the joy of showing people movies and that communal experience of people going out into the lobby afterwards and just talking about things and, and doing exactly what we've done for the past you know hour and a half, I'm assuming, uh, <laughs> is, is, is having that communal experience. And something that I've passionately wanted to do and thought that it was dead, it was no longer going to be a reality, is I've wanted to own my own drive-in theater. And so with COVID and being let go from uh, years at a job at, at Disneyland, I have decided that what I want to do being someone who has no idea how to open up his own theater, uh, I want to travel the country in my RV that I've re- recently purchased and go drive in the drive-in, figuring out what I know and what I don't know so that I can one day venture into the, the realm of opening up my own drive-in theater, restoring a drive-in theater somewhere in this country. So if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I know of a property or I know somebody 
please hit me up. Hit me on my Instagram, which is at Johnny, J-O-N-N-Y, at Johnny B, as in boy, young. That's basically, it's my name, at Johnny B. Young. And we can talk. We can converse. And if you're somebody who loves VHS, there's plenty of that kind of stuff on my Instagram as well. Not to mention just my adventures in trying my hardest to build an RV uh, that's, that's basically on its last legs and get it up to speed uh, for 2021 and a tour that's inevitably going to follow. Awesome. Wow. Well, I, I love a passionate plug. Yeah, I was taken aback yeah. by that. I, I think I, that was fantastic. Thank you. Oh, um, thank you. Adam, do you have anything you want to – I mean, do you even want to follow that? Or? <laughs> no. Uh, <but> <laughs> no, I don't want to follow him. <laughs> uh, that, that sounds like such an awesome thing, Jonathan. I, I can't wait to go visit your, your drive-in once you got it up and running. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, I, I, I do have to give a shout-out to Trevor – and the Frida Cinema for years of, of, of working together and, and really helping to inspire this idea in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, like it is it one of those things where uh, y- you don't know where you're going until sometimes you're in the thick of it. And I had no idea that that this creative spark would once again rear its head uh, and, and provide such such energy and 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 life back into my life when for the past year i know we've all felt it we've all felt that energy um and 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 so to be able to work with the frida over the past couple years and to also uh see them grow in their outdoor screenings and things like that like trevor i I will tell you right now and, and and this is no lie that you guys playing the Princess Bride was the start of me going like, oh my God, like my dream is blowing up again. So thank you. Thank (sighs) thank you just, you know, for being around, for, for, for starting the spark that will be, I don't know, some city somewhere in this country having their films and their community restored with the love of film. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of film exhibition, obviously, and, and you're great at it. And like Adam said, I can't wait to go out there, support it any way we can. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about it. So, um, do, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Do, um, we, do you, let's, Jonathan, I don't know if you want to let it out of the bag yet, but are you working on uh, the name of the drive-in? <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I can let it. I can kind of let it out of okay. the bag uh, because uh, something uh, to me that I I want to do with my drive-in is that I not only want to passionately uh, embrace repertoire. Uh, I, I always say it weird. Repertoire c- cinema um, instead of like the new films because everybody wants to latch on the new films. But I I want to show people things from my past that they can show their next kids. So I not only want to do that and and resurrect that kind of love of film. But I want it to be this place in which you go there before the sun even goes down. I want to have activities. Uh, I, I, I don't know how many people other, other than people in the Northeast know about duck pin bowling, but I want to bring that some, uh, like, you know, four lanes even, like you would see at Dave and Buster's. Uh, arcades, uh, the ability to stand on an outside patio uh, that faces the screen and have an entire bar. These are the kind of thinking outside the box kind of ventures that I want to do and the, the, I, I want people to, at the end of the day, be like, man, like that experience was was you know, a classic. Like, and and so the the kind of name that I'm geared, like kind of pushing towards, at least in my mind right now, is I want to call it the cult classic. 
uh, with the tagline "Join the Cult." Love it! I can't wait. I think it's a, uh, it's a great name. Wherever it ends up, I think Trevor and I have a road trip already in the works here. Oh yeah, please! Absolutely. I will, I will, I will have you there with with bells on, and and you, and and that's that's another thing is that I've been so inspired over my time of going to drive-ins as as, as a younger person that uh, the drive-in that I've lived five minutes from my entire life uh, until I moved to California, which is Benzie's drive-in, had had a history of getting on the microphone because you know drive-ins for those who do not know are you know FM broadcasts, so you plug a microphone in and you can talk to the people in their cars so you would have this projectionist who was also the owner who would basically be the host of a show kind of like elvira or joe bob briggs on a double feature every single night until he finally uh retired and that's that kind of stuff where i know that you guys are doing it uh with rocky horror and time warp radio with with your um drive-in trevor mm-hmm. uh th- this kind of additional experience this host this person who brings you into the atmosphere and gives you that trivia gives you those pieces of information that it's not just sit down and watch a movie it's a it's an experience i cannot wait to bring guests to to the to the drive-in and and just i don't know unload on people the information that is in my head so these are those kind of extra bonuses that 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 spark that that you know, attention to detail that I, I can't wait to hopefully bring to some community out there. I can't wait. Also, I, I I'm excited, man. Thank <clears throat> yeah, you. I'm. Uh, and, 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 and Jonathan knows this, but any anything that he might need from me, uh, Adam can't help you. But uh, I, I, you know, in, in any way, if I can help, I, uh, Adam, let's skip plugs. There's, we're not going to talk. Yeah, about yeah, I agree. They they know where to find uh, us. <laughs> yeah, they know where to find us. Uh, thank you, uh, Jonathan, for coming on the show, Sir Jonathan, I should thank say, you. as you were knighted at the very beginning. Uh, <laughs> on the uh, road trip to Jonathan's uh, drive-in, Adam, I know how I'm going to torture you. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to play you episodes of this podcast. Oh, yeah. you got me. Yeah. Uh, um, awesome. I- but yeah, anyway, so yes, this was uh, this will go down as the best plug section uh, we've ever had on this show. Uh, again, thank you, Jonathan, for being here. Adam, thanks for trying. Um, and that's it for us. Thank you so much for listening to Ghost Party Radio. Adam, we have officially... Mutinied space. Bye. Bye. Yay. Here I stand on the edge of a dream. <laughs>